Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing, Media, and Money Show. My name is Patty Farmer, and I'm your host, and you are in the right place if you want to learn from global experts how to market more effectively, leverage the media to increase visibility and influence, and how to monetize your genius. We will be talking about how to position yourself to end the struggle of not getting seen, not getting heard, not getting remembered, and most of all, not getting hired. Today, join me and my special guest, Cheryl Fields, founder of the Lifestyle Wealth Group, as she shares the three big money myths that rob you of your wealth and the one big secret that the banks hope you never find out. Cheryl is going to pull back the curtain on the current financial system and shares the insider info that you can use today. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Cheryl. Cheryl Fields has been an entrepreneur for over 35 years, so she really understands the challenges of being a business owner. About 10 years ago, she began challenging all the financial mumbo-jumbo, and now she shows business owners how to save money on taxes and interest and have tax-free income in retirement. She's also a speaker, and her signature talk, The Path to Prosperity, has been stirring up conversation about the next evolution in wealth creation from coast to coast. She's doing so well that I asked her to be my keynote speaker on the Marketing, Media, and Money Tour, hitting 10 cities coast-to-coast this year. So welcome, Cheryl. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Hi, Patty. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm really excited. You know, I have heard you when you're talking to the audience on our tour. I have heard you, and I've really seen how much people really – love what you're sharing and how it really is something that people really need to pay attention to now, what's happening in our business environment and really in our personal lives now. And I really love, Cheryl, how you really align with me because it's not just about wealth, it's about lifestyle, right? And I think that is so important nowadays and especially for women. So I want to kind of jump right in, really get to the nitty-gritty that I know everybody wants to have. But first, I know everybody is going to want to connect with you, so before we even get started, can you tell everybody how they can connect with you? Sure, absolutely. So my uh, website is www.lifestylewealthgroup.com, everything spelled out, and um, they can connect with me there. I have all my social media icons there. I'd love to reach out, whatever um, medium you like best, and um, again, just or you can feel free to drop me an email at Cheryl at lifestylewealthgroup.com but any of those places. And, you know, a little bit about what you had just mentioned, Patty, about um, business and being an entrepreneur and those things. You know, the whole thing is 15 or 20 years ago, people worked for corporations and they they basically relied on their corporations to be able to provide them with security um, in their, you know, in their working career and then going forward. And the most interesting thing is just exactly what you said, which is everything's changing. You know, we've had the Internet. Now people are working from home. They're virtual companies. I mean, worldwide companies that are virtual. And so we have to take a look and say, look, you know, the old financial model just doesn't work anymore. It might have worked for our parents or it might not have worked for our parents. We don't know, grandparents or whatever, but it's all different now. And so we do need to take a look at the next evolution in wealth creation. We need to update it and um, the same way that we're not making, um, you know, carbon copies or running things, um, you know, off a mimeograph machine like we did 25 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever. Now it's all about technology and we need to really update the way that we look at our finances so that we can take advantage of what's out there. I think that really is important, too, because generally speaking, nowadays, our parents 
weren't always entrepreneurs, right? They worked a nine to five and had one job, sometimes even two, right? I had a, my mom worked right. and my dad worked one, sometimes two jobs. And our grandparents, they all understood and taught us how to work hard. But I don't know about right. you, but when I was younger, I was taught to work really hard and the company will give me a retirement and it will take care of me, stay in That's one right. house and pay your house off. Those were things right. that they taught us, but it's not really viable today. But before we get started about that, because I know you're going to share some really great stuff here. So for everybody out there, get your pen and paper because you're going to learn a lot today that is really going to help you. And it really is, really, really is going to kind of bust those money myths that you've been thinking. So before we do that, though, so, Cheryl, here's what I know. What I know is that we all have a journey. And very mm-hmm. few, maybe some, but very few of us, as soon as we got to, you know, got out of school, we already knew exactly what we wanted to do, and we're still doing that. Now, I think there are probably some people who are, but as a general rule, I don't think most of us are. So I think that for most of us, especially the entrepreneurs, we had an aha moment. Something happened to us in our life and we had an aha moment, and all of a sudden we realized that what we thought we wanted to do isn't really what we want to do anymore. So will you share with mm-hmm. us what was your aha moment and what happened to really kind of change the trajectory of your journey? Well, um, my, there's a couple of things. Right out of high school, um, I went to high school in San Diego. I was raised in L.A. and went to high school in San Diego. And I knew from the beginning, even when I was in high school, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And um, it was a, we had a fun time in high school of surfing and doing all kinds of things that, you know, kids do in San Diego. But I knew that my friends were going to go off to college and rack up all this big debt. And I said to myself, and my infinite wisdom as a 16-year-old, right, I said, I don't want all that debt. I could be making money in those four years while they're still surfing and, and going to college. And so I said, I want to go find out really what it means to be an entrepreneur. So that's what I did. So I've I've done that for my entire working lifetime, and, um, you know, I've had some really interesting, um, interesting things happen just by being available and networking and be, not being unafraid. Um, but I think I was then too young to be afraid, which is probably a good thing. I think if I would have stopped and thought about it and knew all the things that could have happened, I might not have done it. But uh, I did, and it's been something that I've never looked back upon. But about um, – about 12 or so years ago, 13 years I guess now, um, I have always had businesses. I've had brick-and-mortar companies. I've started companies. I've bought companies. And um, it was about 12 years ago that I was in a situation where I had a a company that was really set for uh, sale, and it was going to be bought by a Canadian company. But the one thing they wanted me to do was really expand. And so through that, I said, well, I really need a partner. And I'd never taken on a business partner like a capital venture-type partner before, Um, So there's probably things I could have done better in the selection process, but what happened was we we got halfway through it, and um, one thing led to another. He decided that it was a great time to go off the antidepressants that he'd been on and um, divorced his wife and, you know, he'd been married for 40-something years, divorced his wife and took off into the sunset in his brand-new BMW convertible. So there I was in a situation where we had had an agreement that the company was now both of ours, and so when he took off, it left me unable to actually sell the company, which was devastating to me because I had, in the whole time, five years that I built that business, I knew who I wanted to sell it to. It was a Canadian publisher, and they were definitely in on it. So everything came crashing down, and um, I was in Savannah, Georgia at the time, and I just really thought to myself, 
um, I went and to Forsyth Park. I don't know if you've ever been there. I know you. I know you have been to the area there. But in Port, Forsyth Park, there's a park bench there where they filmed the movie Forrest Gump, and that's where Tom Hanks sits and he says, "Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get." And so there I was sitting on the park bench and thinking the exact same thing. First of all, I was like, "Well, how did I get here?" And this isn't really what I had planned. And you know, like. How am I going to get this back? What am I going to do? But the funny thing was, all I could think about was um, not being able to see my kids and my grandkids if they got married and moved away. And the funny part was they weren't even dating anybody back then. So it was just something funny to me that was super motivating. And that was a real click in my head. And I said, okay, I can't be broke. I have to figure out what to do. And so I decided that I knew how business worked, although I wasn't very good at picking partners. I wasn't going to do that again. But what I was going to do is figure out how money works so that I could try to get my money back. And I figured that financial advisors were the ones that knew how how that happened. So I became a financial advisor and was hired by one of the world's largest global investment firms and was really new in the business in 2008, right when the market crashed. And so thankfully, I didn't have clients at the time. I was still learning the ropes. But what, um, what I did see was my colleagues and the people that I worked with calling their clients and saying that they had lost 20 or 30 or 40% of the money that they'd worked so hard to gather and to save for retirement. And they'd worked their whole life to have that money, and they wanted it to last their whole life, but all of a sudden it was going down the tubes with nothing that they could do to stop it and no reason that anyone could have prevented. It was a meltdown. So I said to myself at that time, well, I know I want to be in the financial services business, but definitely not what I'm going to do. I just got off the park bench feeling broke, and there is no way that I want to spend the rest of my life calling people and telling them that while I was supposed to be watching their money, it all went down the you know, tubes. And so I said there has to be something else because I knew that there were wealthy people out there that actually weren't worried about the stock market or the economy. They, they had time and money, and they weren't really worried. And I thought, I have to find out what they do because I have a feeling that they're not doing what all of the rest of us have been told to do. And so exactly what I found out, Patty, as you know, that I found out that there's a whole different way that we can look at our money and a whole different way that we can look at making sure that we have the safety and security we need and that our accounts never go backwards and that we have tax-free income and pay less in taxes and all kinds of things that, we all know wealthy people do, but we've just never been taught. That is so true. And I think as women, even more so. I mean, a lot of times I know that my mom, and I don't know about yours, mm-hmm. but I know that a lot of times it was really like they took care of the money, right? You know, it was like, so you didn't right. don't worry your head about that, right? You don't have to think about right. it. But we all know that women live longer now, that we have much more decision-making in the process right mm-hmm. now of how our money gets spent and earned. So I think as women it's really important. So let's talk a little bit about that because there's been a lot of talk lately about women and what they make and how they save. So what's your take on all the media hype? Well, so there is a lot about that. There's, you know, there's so much talk about um, gender equality when it comes to earnings. And there's a couple of things about that. Of course we should be making equal equal pay for equal work, but you know, what ends up happening and what I find, Patty, when I talk to people all across the country is that when it comes to being in a partnership or, you know, having kids or being married or whatever, there's always one one person that's like the career-oriented one, which is generally the man if you're ma- married in a traditional sense. And then the woman is the one who takes the job 
But um, if somebody needs to take off for the kids or a doctor's appointment, it's usually the woman, which means that she's in a position where she's maybe not earning as much because she's maybe at a little bit lower position, but she's also then not able to put as much into her, you know, savings. She's not able to do the other things that maybe if she was just completely career-oriented, she might do. So I think there's a couple of really important things here. Number one is but, um, the Department of Labor says that by 2020, 39% of women, Patty, will be out-earning their husbands. Okay, so it is time for us to wake up and realize that we really need to be able to take care of ourselves and to know exactly how we can make sure that, we're, that you know, we have a secure future. We have the money we need today and the money we need for later in life. So, um, you know, I'm not a family counselor or a psychotherapist or anything, but the whole idea is that that's going to change relationships. When women are the breadwinners, it's not going to be all about the man's 401k at his corporate job. It's going to be about the woman in her entrepreneurial position or in her whatever position she has. But companies now are realizing they need to have flexibility for these, you know, genius people that they want to employ. They pay top dollar, but they also need to understand that we also have a family and things that we want to do outside of work. And that makes us a better a better person, whether we're in our own business or in, you know, business in a business where we're working for somebody else. So, you know, the three ways, the three areas that I find that women tend to be dependent and dependently thinking, um, and I'm going to, my point is always that they're not dependent, we're not dependent on this, but we end up thinking, and I think this is where we get back to our parents, just like what you were saying and looping back around to that, is that, we, yeah, we either, we either relied on our spouse, right, and we think that our spouse is going to take care of us, and, you know, we know uh, people come home and say, hey, um, you know, it's been great, but I'm going to do this now with my life and, you know, let's split everything up and, and go our separate ways. Or we're dependent on the company we work for and how many times do people come in, somebody goes in and finds out there's been a corporate, you know, change in corporate uh, takeover or whatever, and all of a sudden you're downsized and you're out the door. So we can't rely on the company we work for either. They have, they're, they're relying on doing what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for you. And then the third thing is we rely on the government. And, you know, we think that there's going to be social security or we think that something's going to actually be there for us. And, you know, my contention is wealthy people don't, don't do that. They don't count on that. That's icing on the cake if it's there. But I show people, everyday people, you know, middle, middle America, low, you know, low-earning people, high-earning people, how they can actually start to create this, this kind of a safety net themselves. And so, you know, we really can't rely on the government because we don't really know what they're up to. I think that makes so much sense, so much sense. And, and in actuality, I think that I heard something, and I remember seeing it on Facebook and across your social media, that weren't you just in Washington, D.C. just a couple weeks ago? Uh-huh. Yes, actually, yes, I was. Um, I was invited to come to Washington, D.C. Again, this goes back to we never know what the government's going to do. They just passed this huge legislation that's going to change the way that people, mid-America, can get financial advice. And it's going, it was just, it's really not in touch with reality. It's not in touch with the best interest of, um, of you know, people actually needing the advice. Millionaires, multimillionaires have, a, you know, a team of people. Um, but we need people that are just trying to figure out how to set up their finances and how to get ahead, and that's really what they've done to kind of wipe that out and undermine that. So I was um, I was invited to go to Washington D.C. and I I got to be on Capitol Hill and talk with legislators there and really try to talk uh, some sense into the legislation, the way that they looked at how they were trying to help. I don't really feel like they were being trying to do something that wasn't good for the American people, but I think that they're so disconnected 
so many times that uh, they just didn't know how to go about it, and they were going about it exactly in the wrong way. So it's going to take a lot more than one visit, but I'm planning on going back, and we had a lot of people that were there and all trying to help them make the legislation that's best. But again, it goes back to the fact that once they pass it, which it's already been passed, we're just trying to get them to repeal some of the worst parts of it, um, it's going to affect everybody, and it's going to affect the way we save and the, the way that we can you know, get information and education on the best things to do. So it's really important. Well, first, congratulations on being chosen. On, I think that's really amazing, and that's awesome, and I love knowing that you're out there lobbying for us. So I want to say congratulations, and I want to say thank you. I think that's really great. It's always nice to know that somebody who really knows what they're doing, somebody who really can look at the big picture, is really there mm-hmm. lobbying for us. Because I know a lot of times the people who are making decisions – really don't always have the best information either, right? You know, so they're mm-hmm. just kind of going with the information that they have. So if somebody is going to be making some decisions or or helping guide that in any way, shape, or form, I think that's really great. And to tell you the truth, I know this is from a personal level, but also because of who is going to be making the purchasing decisions going forward. I love that you're a woman. So I, I really love knowing that there's a woman there. <laughs> fighting the fight, too. I don't know who else Mm -hmm. was there, but I really like knowing that there is a woman there who, you know, knows and knows what's happening and how it is affecting us women. So with that in mind, what do you think is the biggest threat to women who want to build a nest egg? So, you know, if this is what we want to do, what's our biggest threat that we need to be concerned with? Okay, so that really goes back to my three uh, big myths that I had talked about before. And, um, you know, the one thing I want to say is um, there's so much written lately, too, about how the financial services industry has always been sort of a good old boy society. It's always been all the meetings I go to, like you just said, Patty, I don't know who was there in Washington. Well, there was maybe 5% women and 95% men. And there were people from across the country and all across all different financial fields and all that. So it was a very diverse group of people. But the funny thing is, yeah, women are way under represented. And so when we get advice, it's always better. Women look at things differently than men. Women want security. Men are all about, um, you know, cut to the chase. Let's get, find the penny stock and maybe we'll hit a home run. But the reality is that a lot of what we've thought to be, be true about our money and finances really isn't true. And so what's, what I'm really helping to bring out and what I want people to understand is that we, there is a whole different way of looking at your money that's really easy and simple and guaranteed to go forward. And that's really what we want to do. So the three big myths are, are three things that are inherent in the current situation. Now, I want to kind of preface this by saying, and I feel comfortable in saying, because I was a financial advisor, I can say this about the industry. And the current system benefits the financial advisors, the banks, and the IRS. And um, in, my, in my talk that I do, Path to Prosperity, I go into this a little bit more in depth, and I'm glad to, um, I'm glad to share that with your listeners if they'd like um, later on. But um, the reality is that there's three things that really work against us. Number one, tax-deferred accounts. So our CPA might tell us, well, you can save money this year on your taxes if you put your money over here in a 401K. That's really the IRS, the IRS's way of getting you to put it into a tax-deferred account. Think about this. So if you think taxes are going up, what's going to happen to that money over time? So I always say to people, would you rather pay tax on the seed or tax on the harvest? 
the IRS is hoping that you pay tax on the harvest. There's a CPA in my company that works with me, and he does the talk. Um, he says that the IRS is getting a 684% return on, the, on your money if they can talk you into leaving it in a tax-deferred account for 30 years. So that 684% is nothing like the 1% the banks are paying you, right? And so I'm saying somebody's making a lot of money, and it's not the investor. It's not the person that's worked for that money. And then secondly, the problem with tax-deferred accounts is liquidity. So here's the thing that, um, that really most people don't know. So you put your money in the tax-deferred account, and it's all under the – the you know, marketing brochure that says, hey, you'll have it there in retirement when you need it. Well, in actuality, the Department of Labor says 36% of, of women in America are retiring at or near the poverty level. Just because they, you, know, you get to 59 and a half, it's like I say, you know, there's more people who have died going down Mount Everest than they have climbing up it. And our retirement is the same way. We, we work and work and work and work and climb, 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 and we plan every step of the way, and we get to the top, and we go, ah, okay, headed downhill, retirement, right? But we haven't had any plan, or nobody's talked to us about how we're going to get that money out on a tax-favored basis. And the reality is you're not getting it out on a tax-favored basis. So you might be end up paying way more tax than you need to pay if you just would have structured things a little bit differently in the beginning. And that leads me to the third part, which is opportunity cost. And so what happens is if you put those money in IRAs and 401Ks, even in Tony Robbins' new book, um, Money Mastering the Game, he, they, a lot of the people, the Charles Schwab's and the Vanguard's and the people that have been grandfathers of these 401K plans and mutual funds, um, they say there's over 42 uh, fees inside of a mutual fund. And most people don't even know that, you know, but they're saying, I hear all the time, I don't know why my account's not growing. It's because the fees are getting siphoned off before you ever get a chance to get a return. And so that's the problem. And so the third part is opportunity cost, which is what if you would have been able to keep those fees and not have to give them away? And what if you would have been able to keep that money compounding in your account with the guarantee that it would never go backwards? And that is what actually changes everything for you financially. So it's not something that, you know, I mean, it's great if you can start early in life, but it's something that works for anybody at any age. Wow, those are some money myths for sure. I right. Think that, I mean, it's so true. I think that a lot of times, you know, we've been taught. We've been taught, but when we think about it, most of the money mindset that we have, right, I kind of like to say the DNA, sometimes we need to mm -hmm. reset that in a lot of different things, right? Because a lot of things that when we're thinking them, we're talking, we open our mouth and we talk and we say things that we heard from our grandparents or from our parents. And not to say that they didn't know what they were talking about. They did. They did know what they were talking about for that time. But we're not in that time anymore. We're in a different time right. now. And so we can't keep doing things the old way, we need to start doing them the new way because otherwise we're really in a world of hurt, which really kind of leads us to really what's the number one big secret that the banks hope that we never find out. Right. So, so you know, the thing is, and what I learned about wealthy people, is that they use their own money for the things that they need and want. So they make sure that their accounts never go backwards and they, they rely on compounding tax-free returns. So 
one of the things, like I talked about with liquidity, right, there's certain things in life that we just probably don't have the money in our back pocket for, things like a house and a car and, you know, maybe some other things in life. Um, and so one of the things that we really want people to be able to do is have control of their, their own finances and their own money so that they can finance the things that they need and want in life. And so the, the big secret that the banks hope you never find out about is, so when you put your money in the bank, um, you'd be, you might get, let's just say you get a 1% return, right? And the banks are all acting like it's a really big deal that they're giving you 1%, and they all say, oh, I'm giving you 1.2 and whatever. But, again, it makes me laugh because it's even taxable. So you're getting about 70 cents, right? Really? So, but the reality is that the bank's allowed to loan your money out seven times for every dollar you put in. So that means they loan it to one person for a house at, say, 4%, somebody for a car at 5%, let's just say, somebody for maybe technology, maybe entertainment or movies, you know, whatever, or whatever they might want to do with entertainment-wise at maybe 8%, maybe something for their business. Maybe they need a business loan at 10%. And then three or four credit cards at 20 or 25%. And that's obviously that is over 100% return on the money that they're acting like. It's a big deal that they're giving you 1% on, right? And so they've, that's where we've been duped. We've been duped in thinking, okay, we're going to put our money over here in the 401k or the IRA at risk, and we're going to pay all these fees, and we're never going to know if it's going up or down. And I challenge people to, to say, really, have you had the returns that you wanted to have? Because if your answer is no, then there's something so much better for you out there. Um, but you know, with that in contrast, so the point is the bank's allowed to loan your money out seven times, and I ask people in my talk when I, um, as you've seen me do, Patty, and I say, isn't that all the stuff you wanted anyway, a house, a car, a vacation, uh, a couple of credit cards? And so why shouldn't you use your own money to do that and be able to keep that money and be able to let it grow for you and your family? So that's really the secret that the banks hope you don't find out about. And that's a secret, too. They really don't want us to find out about that. And I remember when I was listening to you, and I could see that the audience really loved it, too. Well, loved it might not really be the word, but loved it the solution, <laughs> right? Loved the solution, right. not the problem. But when you said mm-hmm. that the average American family is living on 27 cents of every dollar they earn, 27 mm-hmm. cents, I thought, oh, my goodness, and I know that we are on radio and not TV, so they can't really see. But is there a way that you could kind of tell us a little bit about that? Because I have to tell you, that 27 cents of every dollar really, really hit home. I could see it in the faces. And for mm-hmm. me, I was thinking, wow, who wants to think that only 27 cents of every dollar is really what we're living on? That's crazy. Well, it's it's so true, and um, I think what you're thinking about is the pie chart that I show. At 27, yes. let's just say that's like 25, so a quarter of the, a little bit more than a quarter of the circle. And yeah, that's the reality. And you know, I I meet so many people, as you know, we when we travel and you know we're on our tour, we meet people, and they'll say, you know, I I make this much money, but I always feel like I'm broke. And it doesn't matter. I tell people whether you're a food service worker or a neurosurgeon, people just get different. And that's because of the way that everything's set up. And here's how it's set up. Right now, Americans are living on 27 cents out of every dollar because they spend 29% of their money on interest. That's interest on your mortgage, interest on your credit cards, interest on your student loans, interest on anything that you finance and don't pay cash for. And then they spend over 39% of their money on taxes. And that's not just income tax. That's sales tax property tax, 
tax at the gas pump, tax when you buy a handbag, tax when you book an airplane, tax on everything, even tax sometimes at the grocery store for some of the things there. So it's just a few cents here and a few dollars there, tax when you buy an automobile. So all of those things, everything has a tax associated with it, and that is what slips through our fingers. So if we could bring back some of that 29% of the interest and some of the 39% of the money in taxes, we can add that right back into your lifestyle money. And that's why my company is called Lifestyle Wealth Group because I, I believe that money, the money that we have and make is meant for our lifestyle and to provide for us not only now but in the future and even for the next generation. So, yeah, that's, that's really the important po- uh, point, Patty, is that we, we really can – we really can make our money last, and we really can have it there when we need it. This really is the next evolution in wealth creation. <laughs> and I think that it really is true, right, when you really think about it. It is an evolution, really, in how we create wealth. We have to do it differently, but that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. I mean, I get mm-hmm. very, very mm-hmm. excited at the thought that I get to have more say in my mm-hmm. money, and I get to have more say in my lifestyle because I don't know about – you, but I'm pretty sure. But most people, I believe, especially if you're an entrepreneur, we don't get up every day and do what we do because we just want to make money. We do it because right. we want a lifestyle, right? And that has always exactly. been what you know my mission statement in is helping people to design the lifestyle they want to live and then build a business right. that supports that, not the other way around. And so I think that's really important. But I don't think people think about that anymore because what they think about is, oh, I just need to figure out how to pay my bills. They don't really think about the lifestyle. And if you ask them, sometimes they get this kind of look on their face like, I can't even remember the last time I thought about the lifestyle they want to have. And, you know, I kind of get it because I remember back in the day, you know, when it was mm -hmm. always a big thing, which do I do? Do I pay my bills first? And after I pay my bills, I hope I have enough money left over to go to the grocery store for gas in the car and maybe get to go to the movies, right? Or do I Mm -hmm. do those things first because we have to eat, put gas in the car, and then hope I have enough money to pay my bills, right? Now fast forward, where does lifestyle happen in there? Like what is Mm -hmm. the reason, right? It's so important to have lifestyle. Right, and you know, and that's a part of where we've been duped with the whole thing about the bank being able to loan our money out seven times. So the thing is, Patty, you know that we have a really comprehensive debt reduction program for people, and that's not going on a budget and cutting back on your lifestyle. That's just helping you use your money most efficiently. So the reason that people are saying, hey, I don't, all I can do is pay my bills is because they keep thinking that, um, that somehow they can get ahead when they're so far in debt. And that's, that's where we're off balance because putting money into a 401K that you can't use till you're 59 and a half doesn't make any sense when you're struggling and rappling with that 29 or 39% of the money that you're paying out in your, you know, in your in- interest for the things that you want and you need. And so, you know, what I tell people is debt is a promise against future earnings, Right. And so if we don't get our debt under control, right now what we have is we're paying for stuff that we already bought. But what about when we need more stuff, right? I mean, this isn't going to be the only thing you ever need. And so, you know, we help people get ahead of that curve. And it's not hard to do, but you just have to look at your money a little bit differently. And, again, it all comes back to lifestyle because we don't know how long our time is here. We don't know how many days or weeks or months or years we have. So we have to make the most out of every day. So it's never about cutting back or being on a budget. It's all about realizing that our money can work and grow for us. And um, so you're so right about that. It's, um, it is isn't the next evolution. It's a new way now that there's more education and more, more ways for us to reach out and speak to people about it. 
I love that. That is the path to prosperity. I love it. So, Cheryl, let me ask you this. What would your financial advice, what would your financial advice be to a brand new business owner? So say somebody, maybe mm-hmm. they worked in corporate and now all of a sudden they, you know, they have a dream to be an entrepreneur. And so they're right at the beginning. You know, a lot of times in business people say, oh, you need to make sure you, you know, you have a business license. You know, I teach this mm-hmm. too, right? Get, have a business license and mm-hmm. incorporate correctly, blah, 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 right? You know, the, there's certain things. Mm-hmm. But really from a financial point of view for creating wealth as well as lifestyle, mm-hmm. what would some financial advice be that you would give to somebody who is a business owner? Well, um, I've had the opportunity to be a new business owner several times over in my life, and um, and I can tell you that there's a couple of things that are really important. First, I'll tell you what I think is important, and then I'll tell you what almost took me out um, in 1990. And um, and I think that's if there was anything I would want to share with people, it would be the lesson that I learned really the hard way, but luckily ended up it didn't end up in a bad situation. Um, I think. There's two things. If, um, I know that most people might have heard of the book called The E-Myth, but I really believe that we have, to, um, we have to not only work in our business, doing what we love and what we want to do and what we're passionate about, but we also have to run our business. So you have to have you know, two different hats. And one hat is the person that's out there doing it and doing the stuff that you love to do, meeting with people or creating things or doing things or whatever it is that you love to do. To, to. Remember, we, all, we get paid in proportion to the value that we create. Now, when you work for cor- a corporate, you know, in a corporation, that may or may not be true, right, because that's not, they're really looking at having people stay workers. But if you're looking in the entrepreneurial world, we really, there's nothing wrong with charging for the value that you create for people. So, with that said, if you get up in the morning and say, wow, how can I create more value and more value for people, um, that just means you're giving yourself a raise. Every time you do that, every time you think like that, your, what you, your earning potential is going up. Um, but, so love I would that. say make sure that you don't just do what you love, because I know there's, there's so much buzz about you know, follow your dream, your bliss, your passion, which is great if that's, what we wanna, that's where we want to say, okay, this is what I want to do. You know, if I want to help people be empowered – um, it, you know, that's what I'm going to do. But there's also the point of you have to run your business like a business. So you've got to keep track of stuff, right? What are you really spending to build your business and how can you increase your profit? And are you really, um, are you really looking at a market that's expanding? Are you doing something that more and more people are going to want and how can you provide more value to them? And so I think that that takes a little bit of planning. Most people or a lot of people, I think, jump into it and say, well, I'm going to start here and I'm going to do it in a little way and see if it, and I'm not sure that that is going to get you where you want to be the fastest. It'll probably get you where you want to be, but it might take a while. And then the big I thing that, um, that I'd like that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I do, because I think a lot of times in business, one of the things that people don't do is they don't track their numbers, right? They don't really pay attention right. to their money. And I say all the time, I'm like, you have to know what your numbers are. Like a lot of times when people come mm-hmm. to work with me, they have no idea what their numbers are. And I'm like, how can you not know your numbers? But when you think about mm-hmm. it, I think it's because they don't like the numbers, and that's why they don't want to know them, right? right? Because they don't like the numbers. Right. But here's the thing I always like to say all the time is I've always said that I don't like math. Math was like my worst subject in school. I didn't really mm-hmm. like math. I even have a plaque that hangs on my wall that says, you know, I'm too pretty to to do math. But I have to tell you, Cheryl, <laughs> when it. the decimals are in the right place, and you're yeah. talking money, numbers can be yeah. super sexy, right? They can be really right. sexy oh, yeah. right? when you're doing it, so oh, knowing yeah. your numbers. So I think what you're saying is so true. 
Well, and knowing your numbers is a great thing. There's a couple of things that I, from a financial perspective, is let's, you know, we try to help people get their money working for them so that we have, so that you have the availability because it does cost money to grow a business. You know, thinking like, I mean, I've bootstrapped every company that I've, that I've worked with or started or, or bought or whatever. I've always bootstrapped. So I understand what it's like to just stay a little bit ahead of that curve while things grow. Uh, but the whole idea is that we have to make sure we know what that is. And that really leads perfectly into my, my horror story. Um, in 1990, I was married to an ABC executive, and in 1990, I, he wanted to get out of the television industry. And so we bought a little horse ranch in Colorado and a printing company because that was a business that I knew about. And so um, it was 17th in a market of 17, so it was dead ringer for last. And... Um, so I just thought, hey, no problem. I can go in there and I can sell. I mean, I knew about printing. There was a blueprinting thing. We could do prints. There was all kinds of stuff. And I was like, okay, I just have to go sell, sell, sell. So, man, every day I was so excited to go out and tell people in, in Grand Junction, Colorado, hey, look, we're the new kid on the block. You know, we're going to do anything it takes to get your business. Um, and so um, – you know, it was just every day I was just so excited. New customers, new customers. We started adding staff. You know, we went from like three people to 15 people in a very short amount of time. The only problem, and I mean, I just have to be totally transparent here, right? The only problem was that my employees wanted to get paid on Friday, and those nice big fat government contracts I got were going to pay me in 90 days. And so, honestly, it sounds silly to think, well, how could you have ever got that far and not known that. But, I, you know, sometimes our blind spots are right in front of us if we would just stop and look. And so there I was. I went into the banker and I just said, hey, I really need you to help me here. I need to get over this gap. But it almost it was almost a really, you know, painful situation. Luckily, he said fine. He could see that we had the sales. But my advice is realize that it costs money to grow a business. So if you're out there selling and you're watching your business grow, make sure you have all of your resources that you have at your disposal. Make sure that they're all in a place where you can actually use them to grow your business. Don't have to go to your banker like I did. That was in 1990, but don't have to go to your banker like I did and say, hey, um, I really need you to help me because they may or may not, and that would be the worst thing ever to have feel like you, you've gone so far and you've done so much and find out that it's all going to come crashing in just like a, you know, a wave on the beach. So, um, so that, that's what I would tell people is make sure you run your business like a business. And even if it's starting out small, make plans for it to be big. You know, think about what it's going to be like when it's big. And, and you don't have to make, you know, you don't have to go out and buy the best of everything today because it's going to be really big. But you can grow into it, and that's really the fun. It's really about the journey, Patty. It absolutely is. I really love that. And thinking about that, I think that, you know, it doesn't matter what type of business you have. There's times of business and everything just goes great, right? I mean, oh, you're just like, man, mm-hmm. and everything is just, we're in the flow yeah. and we're in the zone and everything goes great. But then there are times when things get tough, right? People say no, that mm-hmm. sales fall through, you know, things cost mm-hmm. more than you thought they were going to cost. You you know you really mm-hmm. need this program to get you over. Something. I mean, there's a lot of different things, right, that you just know mm-hmm. would really help you, but you don't have the money right now. So I know that that really, really um, can happen. What I have found mm-hmm. is that to get you to keep on going, right, to keep taking the steps mm-hmm. forward and stay in forward motion and in action and implementing, right, it's really, really having a big why, right? You know, having that big mm-hmm. why that really mm-hmm. kind of prevents you from giving yeah. up when times get tough. Would you share with us right. what's your big why? What prevents you from ever giving up when times get tough? And I know you probably don't have 
I mean, we all have a little bit of tough times. You know, they differ from person to person. But really, mm-hmm. honestly, what's your big why? So I think that what, for me, like my life-changing moment was on the park bench there in Savannah, Georgia. And I think that I realized there that although I had a lot of different businesses, I had a video production company that did television commercials in L.A., and then I had the printing company, and then the business I was selling was a, a business journal that was distributed to me in Atlantic Canada. And although all of these those endeavors, I felt like I was doing something to the best of my ability and doing something better, being an expert or a master at what I could do, it wasn't until that I really switched gears and realized that the financial system is rigged against us that I felt like, wow, I felt like a butterfly coming out of my cocoon. And so now I felt like not only could I give people like, you know, great printed material or great business news or a fabulous commercial that they could run on national television, but now I could actually empower people, and especially women, because I feel that we are the ones that don't oftentimes pay attention um, when we, you know, to the financial future of the family or or our own financial future for that matter. And we needed to learn more about money. And when I could realize that w- I understood how this was rigged against us, and if I could go out and I could share that with as many people as would listen, I knew that they could follow their dreams and do the things that they wanted to do with their lives. And honestly, Patty, I mean, I feel like in, right now in this generation, I feel like we have so many women that have spent 20 or 30 years in corporate America or working a job or maybe even in it's ra- raising a family. And now all of a sudden they say, wow, you know, I'm at the point in my life, I have wisdom for the first time in my life. I kind of know who I am and kind of know what I want. And now if we could just capitalize on all that human capital, you know, just the fact that we have all of these great resources in this country. And like the Dalai Lama said, it's the Western woman that will save the world. And what he meant by that is that we've been raised in a culture where we can think like an entrepreneur. We know that anything is possible if we're willing to work for it. And I just thought, I'm so excited now, and my why is now I finally figured out something that I can actually give to people and show people um, that will let them be all that they can be, do what they want to do, provide for themselves and their family, no risk, no worry. And so for me, I, you know, if I could cut out sleep, I, my kids always tell me, Mom, lately you seem like sleep is overrated, you know? And I do. I feel like sleep is way overrated. We could be actually doing something. So um, that's really my why. I love the fact that I have the lifestyle I want. As you know, I was, I made, um, but, you know, back on the park bench when I was so afraid that my kids, I wouldn't be able to see my kids and my grandkids because I would be broke. And um, so as I started my business, my daughter did get married, and she moved to Florida, and we were living in Charleston, South Carolina. And I made 42 trips over four years, uh, once a month for three days, because I could and because to me, every time I got, bought that $200 ticket on Spirit Airlines, I knew that I was closer and closer to the thing that scared me most. I, I mean, I was further away from it and closer to my dream. And my dream was to have complete freedom. And so now we've moved. We sold our home in Charleston. Um, I, I have three grandkids now, and um, I'm here, you know, five miles from them and able to do the things that I want to do, plus be able to help empower people all across the country. So I feel like it's just such a perfect time, a perfect storm right now for um, people to take charge of their money and to be able to use the IRS tax code to make sure that it's safe. And that's really what I feel like. I'm just so excited to be able to tell pretty much anyone who will listen (laughs) because I think it's a life change. 
And, you know, you have daughters, right, you know, and you have daughters, and I think, you know, being a great example for them I think is really important. So, you know, I think that a lot of times the things that happen to us, good and bad, right, they teach us Mm -hmm. something, right? We we, They teach us something about ourselves. What has being an entrepreneur and all those businesses that you've started and the things that have happened to you, what has that taught you about yourself? Well, I think what it what it's taught me is that I have choices every day when I wake up. And I can either focus on the things that won't work or I can focus on what I can do to make my life and other people's lives better. And I think that it's really taught me, if you ask either one of my daughters, um, they're so, it's so funny because I don't see myself as a particularly strong woman. But they say to me that if there was one thing that they would be so thankful for, it's to show them that you can make your way in life no matter what happens. And so I think that that's, if there's anything I've learned, I think that is, um, is part of it, is that I know no matter what happens, I know that I always have a choice in the way that I look at it and what I do about it. And that gives me a lot of freedom. It gives me, it makes me never feel trapped. It makes me never feel, um, I'm not going to say I never get discouraged, but, you know, sometimes things are tough and you have to make tough decisions or, you know, making important decisions. Like my path to prosperity, one is the wide, well-traveled road and the other one's the path that leads you to a much better place. And where those two places go in different directions is only a couple inches apart. When you first take a step and you either go down one or down the other, um, you know, it's only an inch apart, but you, they end up in totally different places. And so, you know, when I make important decisions, I always think about that. Okay, well, where is this going to end me End me up, you know, 10 years or five years or whatever from now? So I think I've learned to, to be really um, present in what I'm doing today and thinking about how it's going to make a better tomorrow. I really love that because I think that one of the things – that I think is also a myth is that people think that if I just had more money, I wouldn't have any hardships, right? People just think that, you know, money in itself will just take care of everything. And we know that that's not true, right? Because really, honestly, with money comes responsibility, right? Because, you know, you're outsourcing, you have people who will work for you, Mm -hmm. possibly, right? However your business is set up, you know, that that carries a responsibility with it as well. And so I think that one of the things that we learn, at least for myself, is accountability. We learn to look at the bigger picture. We learn to forecast better and to think about what happens in the future. And we don't just think about, you know, oh, I only need to worry about how to get there to Friday because, you know, next Friday I'm Mm going to have a paycheck, right? So now we have to you know, we think bigger, but I think that mm-hmm. um, that says a lot about us, right? I really believe that it teaches us a lot about ourselves and how we think about money, right? We all are exactly. raised and we take that with us into our adult life, and we don't even realize mm-hmm. it sometimes. So I think that that really is important. So what do you love the most about your business today? Like, you know, all along the way, there's always things. It's a journey, and I know in my business I have loved the whole journey, every single step along the way. But mm-hmm. at different times mm-hmm. in our business, but today, you know, since it is today, and I'm asking you right now, today, what do you love the most about your business right now? Um, I think I love that I have so much balance in my life. And it's something that doesn't come, you know, like just fall out of the sky. I really have to create that. But um, I've told a few people this, and they think it's really kind of funny, but I have my Google Calendar, and I have it color-coded in four different, five different areas. And so 
I look at my year and I try to make sure that I have all five colors in kind of equal, uh, equal proportions. So that's family, friends, finances, fitness, and faith. And so um, I look at that and I say, okay, so um, am I really leading a balanced life? And I think that if we can create that for ourselves, then there's no, nothing that we can look back, you know, when we're, when we're ready to hang it up and ready to either do something different or cash in our chips or whatever, we can look back and say, um, you know, my life was meaningful, my life had value, and um, I really did what I wanted to do in life. So um, I think what I love most about my life right now is that I am able to make those decisions and decide how much time gets put into each area of my life. And I really love being able to, I love, I love my clients. They end up being lifelong friends just because when their lives change, it changes my life. And I get, you know, I get so many sweet things that happen or, you know, kids that come up to me and give me a hug and say, I'm so glad my mom's home now with me or things like that, that you just, you could buy if you had a million dollars. So um, I think I love that about that. I feel like I'm really doing something that's important for, for families across the country. And, you know, I feel like in this country right now, especially, we're, it's so focused with this election and all this stuff. But, you know, we're losing our freedom in this country, whether we, whether we pay attention or not. But we are losing our freedom day by day. They're taking more and more of our freedom. That's why I was in Washington. They're taking more of our choice of how we want to invest our money and what we want to do. And I believe that if I can help people get their money into a place where it's off the radar screen of the IRS using their rules, when it's, if it's money that they can use for the stuff they want and need in life, build their business, go on a vacation, do whatever, and then be able to pass that on to their kids when they're done, I feel like I've made a significant difference in the fiber of you know, women especially, but Americans as a whole. And so that's really what makes me be so excited about what I do and it's it's what I you know, what I'm excited about today and what I'm excited about pretty much every day. I love that. Love it a lot. And you know just I think that's funny, you know, those are my five things too. And I color code mine as well. So I think that's kinda of funny. I don't think we've ever <laughs> talked about that before. And I love it because when you color code them it's really easy to see when they're out of balance, right? When you're looking in your calendar. Yes. You know, because then it kinda of, yeah. you need to keep the colors um coded. So I love that. So there's another thing we have in common. So I really like that. So we're yeah. we're getting ready to wrap up a little bit here. So I just have a couple little things I want to ask. So one thing I want to say is, you know, there's a lot of people in the financial industry, right? We see them, right. we hear them all the time, right? What makes you stand apart and what's your superpower? Because I'm going to tell you, you can really, really tell how heartfelt you know, what you're doing is, right, how you really care about women, what you, you know, not men too, right, you know, but really honestly how I love, though, that you're realizing that women are a little different and that you're not just putting us all in one big pot, right, that you understand that there are differences. Really honestly, but what's your superpower? I think think my superpower is really listening to people and understanding what they, helping them to understand what they really want out of life. Um, that's really what I love doing is sitting across the kitchen table from somebody and saying, you know, getting them to pull out from inside of them exactly what they want their life to look like and then helping them to do that. So if if that qualifies as a superpower, I'm not sure exactly all the things that go into having that or, or being having that be my number one thing that I love to do. But um, I think just listening to people and helping people understand that there is, that it's not their fault they're in the financial situation that they're in. 
we've been duped, right? And so it's not their fault, and what can we do about it? And so I really, that's, if, if it's anything, I think it's just listening and really listening from the heart and listening to what people, maybe what, not what they're afraid to think, but maybe helping them to think outside of that box and thinking that all things are possible so that we can maybe help them to do that financially. I love that. You know, Cheryl, one of the things that I really um, have enjoyed um, as we've been traveling and you've been speaking on my mm-hmm. tour, one of the things I've really, really enjoyed is that I think that so many times, not that I'm beating up on financial advisors, don't get me wrong, but I find oh, that... Oh, you can. I think, you can. I do. But I think that nowadays people's lives, their business, and the things that are mm-hmm. happening in the world right now, no longer can you take and try to fit everybody into a square peg, right? You know, I don't think we have, you know, there's not cookie cutter solutions anymore, right? And one of the things that I really love is your ability to be able to, like you said, listen and really understand what people are saying and what they want, you know, what's wealth to them. Everybody doesn't define wealth the same way, and not everybody wants the same lifestyle. I know a lot of times when I listen to people and they say, oh, you know, not everybody you know, is looking to drive a Mercedes. Not everybody wants a 5,000-square-foot no. house. Not everybody. You know, everybody's no. idea of what they want is different, and I love the fact that when I hear you talk to people, and I've heard you so many times, that when you're talking mm-hmm. to people, how really it's all about helping them for what they want, what their mm-hmm. lifestyle that they want to have, not necessarily you know, what you think it should be for them. You know what I mean? And I, I just really well, exactly. love that. And, you know, here's the thing, Patty. You know, there's 300,000 financial advisors in this country, and when you think about 36% of the women retiring at or near the poverty level, something's out of whack. You know, it doesn't take a genius or a financial guru to figure that out. Something's not right. And so, you know, the whole idea is when we can help people to be able to use what they have in the most efficient way, everything changes around for them. So you're exactly right. I mean, that's the whole part of it. It's not about a cookie cutter. It's not about having money in the bank. I mean, that, and the reason I talk mostly to women is because women are fabulous collaborators, and you're one of the most fabulous collaborators I know. And um, and that's because we love to share good things with, you know, when somebody says, what restaurant do you like or what's a good movie or whatever, oh, I love your handbag, we always say, oh, it's a so-and-so or, you know, oh, yeah, I got it here. And we love to share information. And so it really works out better for women to be able to have something that they can share where with men a lot of times it's putting that money in the 401K and, and hoping that they're going to hit the home run. Um, and so we and do you know need to look I, at And you know hope is not a strategy for me, right? So. Yeah, I know. I know. I love that on your on your answering machine. And I always tease you uh, when I get her when I get Patty's voicemail, and she says, you know, she's branding, marketing, and media strategist. She says, remember, hope is not a strategy. And I always leave the message and say, Patty, I was just hoping you'd answer the phone. Call me back. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I do have I hope as a strategy once in a while, but I know you're busy. And um, so anyway, I love being able to spend time with you and work with you. And um, I know all the great things that you're doing for people and their businesses. And I want to thank you for everything you've done for me and my. Oh. Um, it's been, Thank you so much. So, Cheryl, continues to be, as we wrap up, continues here's what I want to ask you. What is the number mm-hmm. one? So, you know, we've been, on the, we've been on the air for an hour, and you have shared some amazing, amazing information. Thank you so much for the value that you brought. You showed up and gave us lots of value and relevant value, which I really like. What's the number one takeaway? If they only get one single thing out of this whole hour, what's the number Mm -hmm. one takeaway you would like them to take? 
What's the writer down? The number one thing, the number one takeaway is that you can be in a different position financially if you choose to. So it doesn't have to be risky. It doesn't have to be hard. But if you are, if you want to stay where you are and you're happy with where you are, then that's great. But if you felt like I did on that park bench that I had no idea what I was going to do next, I had, if I looked down the road for a year or two, I didn't even know what was going to happen. And so if you ever get to that place, or even if you're just working, and so many of my clients, Patty, they, you know, they think everybody else is doing great and they're the only ones that are trying to pinch pennies and, you know, making it to the Friday paycheck. And if, so the one takeaway I would like for them to take away from this is if they want to make a change, there are ways out there that have been the wealth they've been doing for 100 years that you can actually change that. And so uh, that's really what I would like for people to take away from that and to know that, you know, they do have to raise their hand and say they want help, but after that it, it's not as hard as it might seem. And um, we'd love to help them if they'd like to, but if they're, if they're happy with where they are, that's great, and just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Well, here's my number one takeaway. My number take, number one takeaway is that if there's anybody out there that's thinking, you know what, where I am right now is not really where I want to be, and I would like my lifestyle to be better, um, I'd like a little bit more money, I'd like to keep more than 27 cents, right? If that mm-hmm. is the case, and that's what you're thinking, even one thing, one of the things that I love about her is she does have a confidential conversation that you can have I really want to say that the number one takeaway here is please just connect with her. Connect with Cheryl. Have a conversation. I know everything is confidential. Have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I love it. Right. Have a cup of coffee. Ask some questions. I know that you're willing to do that. If they wanted to do that, Cheryl, how would they do that? Tell them how to connect with you again. Okay, again, well, the best, the best way to do that is to check out the website because I have all kinds of ways to connect there, and you can actually write me a, a note and tell me a little bit about what's going on for you financially if you want to and ask if there's you know, something I can do to help. Um, so that's lifestylewealthgroup.com. And, of course, I'd be glad. We do have confidential conversations. And, um, again, you know, the other thing I just want to throw in here is that I don't charge people to work with me either. So I have, I'm able to offer um, strategies and advice um, because I know sometimes people get worried and they think, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost me so much to actually learn more about what she's talking about. But um, my, my goal is to teach everyone who, who wants to know more how to do it. So, um, anyway, um, that's Thank really you. it. So it's lifestylewealthgroup.com. And my name is Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, and Lifestyle Wealth Group. So I look forward to it, Patty. I look forward to talking to your, your audience and your listeners and seeing who I can help and um, what I might be able to do for them. That's great. And I know there's a couple ways to do that. So for those of you out there, I'll, I'll plug Cheryl a little bit here. Um, so if you go to Lifestyle Wealth Group, <laughs> She had on Lifestyle Wealth Group, you can actually download the Wealth Report where it is just fabulous, the Wealth Report. I learned a lot when I read it, so that no cost, so that just go get that. That's like a gift, really, honestly. If you do nothing else, do that. So go there and just click on that and do the Wealth Report. If you would like to have a conversation, I'm going to tell you, have a cup of coffee. It's confidential. And ask questions. doesn't cost anything. Questions are easy. I tell people all the time. A lot of times we don't have answers because we don't ask questions. Ask mm-hmm. questions. So I think that that is really, really wonderful. So connect with Cheryl. She is um, she's a connector. She's very giving, if you couldn't tell that. Um, I actually adore her myself. And um, so really, you want to make sure that you do that. 
Thank you, Cheryl, so much for spending time with me today. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and really sharing with my audience about those money myths and really what they can do and how things are changing and and how it's not too late. They can make some changes if they really want to. So reach out to Cheryl. Thank you, Patty. Again, thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate you having me, Patty. And again, I love being able to be on the tour with you. And you know that I think that you're an absolute guru when it comes to all the marketing media strategies. And um, so I appreciate everything you've done. And it's great to spend this time with you too and really get down to some of the nitty-gritty that we don't sometimes have time to talk about when we're having our own cups of coffee on the phone or whatever. Exactly. So thank you so much. And we will just go out there, make sure that you connect with her, get on social media and connect with her and ask those questions. Again, thank you so much, Cheryl, and we'll see you again next week. Bye now. Bye.